Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A walk-on in American college athletics is an athlete who becomes part of our team without actually being awarded a scholarship to do it. Every now and then a walk-on may so impress the coaching staff with their play and practice, they become part of the team. But the best part, it is these players who achieve success often become the inspiration for others. Our guest today is named Richie Cantartesi, who now takes the lessons that he learned on and off the field and wakes up every day in the service of others, inspiring them to reach beyond their own grasp and to create their proverbial walk-on opportunities. He went on to play professionally, wrote a number one bestseller, opened a franchising 24-7 functional fitness facility, but now put all of that together, he travels the globe delivering inspiring and actionable keynotes, along with coaching and workshops to organizations who want to engage and develop the younger workforce into peak performers who never want to leave so everyone can make a bigger impact. But the best part, every one of you out there has the opportunity to walk on to wherever it is you choose and look to people like Richie who wake up to help you to be the walk on to reach beyond that grasp. And Richie, Thank you and welcome to A Climb to the Top. Absolutely, man. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's great having you. Well, let's, I, I think your story, while there are probably a lot of origins, as you were growing up, did you always dream of professional athletics as something you could do, whether you walked on or were picked? Was that a goal? 100%. So actually, when I was in fifth grade, I, um, I hit rock bottom, parents got divorced and, uh, I failed fifth grade and there was a moment that completely changed my life. And that's when I actually went on the internet to look up the academic requirements to play big time college football. (laughs) And when I looked at those requirements, I wasn't like, Oh no, I could definitely do that. No problem. But it was like, that's what I'm going to do. I have no idea the road. I have no idea the path but that is what I'm going to do. Like that is the dream. Yet you were at this really rock bottom place contemplating how to find a peak. Was that an accident or is that just happenstance? No, I mean like, so I would play football on the streets all the time, but, um, and I loved it. Like it was the only thing that I really loved. Like everyone in my neighborhood was much older than me, but there was one constant in my life. And that was when I went out on the streets and I played football, I forgot about everything else. I forgot about <laughs> the, the, the grades, the school, right. the family problems. Uh, and and even, even though you had failed fifth grade, was that a determining factor in how you were going to overcome the adversity and you, were, you had something to shoot for? A hundred percent. Like, cause that was it. Yeah. That was, it was it. And, and I, I, I've shared this, I share this from stage all the time, but I, I, I 
didn't have a reason to live. And I did contemplate not being here anymore. Uh, There was nothing. I mean, no family. My friends were, you know, whatever. And then uh, after I failed fifth grade, it was just like, I I just didn't want to be here anymore. And that, that was the only thing that kept me going. And did you contemplate the completion of suicide? A hundred percent. I definitely did. I mean, I, I, it was, that's a tough question. I mean, I, 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 I contemplated it quite a bit, um, you know, and it, if it wasn't for that one dream and that one thing I had to finally shoot for, right. I probably wouldn't be here today. No, and I appreciate that. But as I think about that, and I think the lessons for our listeners, Richie, there, there is so much anxiety and depression. But I think even if we set that aside, people who don't feel they have the will to fight for the thing that they even contemplate, could I do that thing that seems unachievable? And yet you have dedicated your career to help people in that adversity. Did it start with walking on to Ole Miss and joining the team, or did that start in fifth grade as you learned to evolve and find a happy place? Yeah, so it, it happened when I was when I was in fifth grade, when I was young, and and I'm just gonna quick share a story about yeah. this method that how I've lived my whole life and how, what got me out of it. So basically. Um, at that time, I was a terrible baseball player, but it was something that I did. My dad loved baseball, so I played baseball. It wasn't like like football was my dream, but I played baseball as, you know, kids, we all play baseball. And uh, I was a horrible baseball player. And every time I would go up to, to, to bat, I would strike out and I would cry. And every time I missed a, a pop fly or a ground ball and I would cry. And it was like this whole thing. And, um, I would cry not because I missed the ball or struck out I would cry because I felt like I was letting my dad down. And I had a coach that during this period of time completely changed my life. I I went up to the play, I struck out and he calls me to the side and he goes, Richie, I have one question for you. He goes, what's the most important play? And I was frustrated and angry and I didn't really answer the question and, and, he kind of whispered to me, he goes, the next play. And I was, I was not happy at the time. And so I just was like, okay, whatever. And, you know, kind of brushed it off. But as I thought about it, I was like, man, that, that kind of actually made me feel better. And so moving forward in that season, every time I was in defeat, every time I was frustrated, every time I was down, I struck out, I missed the ball. He would start, he would yell at me and go, Richie, what's the most important play? And I would say the next play And all of a sudden, like, I didn't have to live in these failures. I didn't, I I realized I wasn't letting my dad down. I, I, it was like this thing where I, all I wanted to do at this point was like, forget about the last play, learn from it, but move on to the next one. And my past failures didn't have to affect me. And I didn't have to fear future failures and, 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 and future success. It was just like, Hey, right now, the most important thing is the next play. And he started doing it with all the players. And we were like an okay team, but even if someone had a great play, he'd be like, what's the most important play? And everyone would say the next play and move on. And we went from like an okay team and we won the whole thing that year by him just asking that one question. And, and that coach changed my life because every time I was in defeat and even in the fifth grade, and I, it was always came down to one question. What's the most important play? The next play. Let's go. 
Yeah, no, I, I love that. And the metaphor of mountaineers to us, it's the next step. There's only one step that matters and it's the next one. But in your case, Richie, what I love about this is often as athletes, particularly as kids, if, if the coaches who are trying to improve us are very focused on the skills, how to hit a curveball better, how to, how, to, how to align to a fastball. What you're describing is a coach that didn't focus on the skills. He focused on the mindset. He changed your mindset and he actually asked you to replace the negative self-talk with what, what is it thinking of the next play? Did you know it then? This was a mindset shift. I mean, I, I, probably not. I, I wouldn't say I knew it was a mindset shift in, in all honesty, but when I would step up to the plate, I would always be thinking about like, you know, oh my God, like I'm going to strike out or, oh my God, what's my right. dad going to think about me? Or this guy's so much bigger than me and this. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't about that anymore. It was just about, Hey, hit the bat to the ball. And if you right. don't, the only thing that matters is the next pitch. It's right. like, right. and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, when I look back now, it was, it was all pure about up here because, you know, I, I watched the tapes and I would hit batting practice and I'd get new cleats and get new bat and new batting gloves and nothing worked. And it wasn't until that moment um, that everything started to change. I didn't continue playing baseball much longer after that, but, but in football and just in life, it was just thing to the next. Yet a very simple, yet in your mind, a very powerful element for how you continue to sustain your way to ultimately to choose what you want to do. So let's get to this. Baseball, even though the mindset was now developed, it wasn't baseball, you decided that you wanted to play college football. And for those of you who are on YouTube, or if you're listening on many of our other stations, Richie is not 6'3", 250 pounds, and I'm going to bet you don't run the 40 yards in 4.4 in spite of the size. So in high school, did you play football? I did. I did play football in high school. Um, I played for my freshman year. I was on the freshman team. I didn't start. Um, uh, something very cool happened. A, a brand new school opened, and it gave me a door. And so I ended up going to this new school. We didn't have seniors my sophomore year. So I was, I was a sophomore, but I was almost like I was a junior. Right. So I ended up getting in and playing, but um, yeah, I mean, I, five, seven, 150 pounds. Uh, I didn't have much, much really any colleges looking at me except for maybe some small D threes. And on top of that, my senior year of high school, I, I completely broke my ankle and shattered it. And I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is not the, uh, this is going to be really tough. Right. This, this, this is not the way that you had planned it. So this is a perfect metaphor for many people who are considering, or at least stuck in a particular place where they, my ankle is broken. I'm not big enough. I'm not fast enough yet. I have a dream and I want to realize that take us through that experience. What did yeah. you do in order to get through that? Absolutely. So I went, I actually went to the doctor and I remember he gave me a choice and he's like, you can get surgery. You're not playing this year mm -hmm. or you can put a cast on this thing. And in four weeks, uh, you may potentially have a chance to play, but it's always going to hurt. Like you're not going to be fresh. And in four weeks, that would allow me to play in the last game and then potentially the playoffs if we got there. Mm -hmm. And so I had a choice and it was instant. I said, okay, put it in a cast. Let's go. I'm not getting surgery this year. It's my senior year. I have to play. And so um, I actually recovered in three weeks and then played in the fourth week game. Uh, and then there was one final game before the season ended. And this was like, this was the final game of my uh, high school career. And we tied all the way until the very end of the game. They kicked the field goal and won, shattered our playoff hopes. But uh, 
but yeah, that, that was my choice. That was a decision that I had to make. Yet you use that then in to walk onto a college, a big division one college athletic program. How did you get it? How did that happen? You, you were not picked. <laughs> not even close. So I'm, I'm going to make a long story uh, uh, short here. So I went to a, I actually went to a school called Jacksonville University. They're, they're so bad of a program. They don't even exist anymore. Uh, it's not division one, no athletic scholarships. I went there, I was redshirted, which means I'm ineligible to play any games. And at the end of the season, this one coach that said, Hey, you can you know, basically be a walk on here. Uh, this no, nobody school uh, got fired and a new cage co- coach came in and cut me. And, um, like, obviously that would be the end of the career. Right. And I remember sitting in my car and this was another huge decision in my life. And that was to, to chase this and find a school that would let me walk on or be done with it. And so I actually made a spreadsheet of all 119 division one schools, all the recruiting coordinators. (laughs) And I just, you, you, you you were, you were looking at this whole landscape. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I mean, this was a choice. This was a big decision. It was either all in or all out. And I said, you know what, screw it. Like, here's the one thing. and, And we'll get to this as we go, but sports has created me into a relentless warrior that just goes after whatever and has the confidence without a shadow of a doubt that I'll figure it out and I'll get to an end result right or somewhere close to it and that's like what I try to get with our clients and our coach is like how do we get you to that undeniable confidence that you can go after whatever it is you want any goal that you want any processes you want and know without a shadow of a doubt that you'll get to an end result or close to it right and so um so I called all the recruiting coordinators. The call was really short. They would ask me my height and weight. And that was the end of the call. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, literally it was done. <laughs> I actually got invited to FIU Florida international university because my head coach knew somebody down there. And I went there, I saw the coach through the glass and, and he said that we never had a meeting. It was the most embarrassing thing. I walked out the door. This was it. I go on Facebook and this was before Facebook was what it is today. How it was like within its second year. But a um, a coach that I had when I was in little league, and then he was also a coach my senior year, ended up getting an internship for the football team at Ole Miss. Hmm. And I reached out to him, and I was like, Kyle, you know, like I'm, you know, you know me. Can I play there? Can I get in? Can you help me? And he did everything he could. He goes like, I, I, you know, in his mind, he's like, he'll never play here, but you know, I'll do whatever I can to try to get him here. And he did. And, uh, I got there. I had one, one hour trial. This was it. So I left Florida, drove all the way up to Oxford, Mississippi. I had one, one hour trial and, um, and I didn't make the team. And so (laughs) Kyle literally went to the head coach, which is coach, Ed Ogeron, who was just the head coach at LSU, who won a national championship. He's not no longer going to be there, but he was the head coach at Ole Miss. And he went up to him and he goes, look, Richie, uh, he'll never play here. Um, but I promise you this, he'll make everybody around him better. He'll show people what work ethic really is. He'll be an asset. He'll find a way to be an asset to this team. Give him a chance. So they gave me this one week trial. Like this was it. I put on my pads I had one week. I walked into the locker room. Everyone else had these plated lockers. I had a piece of tape with my written name written on it, and that was it. And uh, so 
went into the locker room. I had one week to prove that I could take the hits. I went out there and I was scared as hell. <laughs> and, and I would, I would run out into the tunnel and I would get my butt kicked and I would just get up and it was always, what's the most important play. And I would right. get up. What's the most important play. Right. And I just did that for the week. And at the end of the week, coach Ogeron came up to me and he goes, I have no idea what your role here is, but you have a spot on this team. I, I you, you piss my defense alignment off so much <laughs> that they run hard. You make them run. Like, and that's when I got the nickname relentless Richie. He goes, you're relentless Richie. I, 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 you got a spot. And so, um, so that's how I, I ended up. I didn't get a scholarship that day. It took yeah. me three and a half years, but that's when I got at least onto the practice squad. Well, this is a really interesting story for many people who are considering a career change or any kind of transition. They are often told you don't have the skill set, you're not the right size, you're not the right build, you're not the right color, all kinds of different things that they are told about. Hmm, how do I do this? So let's fast forward then, because what you do now, to me, Richie, everything you do seems to be metaphorically what you went through in your own experience. So bring us into the present now, you, your business, and how you inspire others to walk on to their field. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. So uh, the pandemic was was the best thing, was a very troubling thing and, and a, a sad thing for for many people however in in the business that i had uh it took us to new heights and it showed me what was possible for the future moving forward it was it was walking into the fiu office and getting turned down it was right. fifth grade it was the same scenario um i have a, a fitness facility we had been working with people and coaching people i had been traveling the country and speaking and helping organizations and uh, everything was shut down, gone, shut down, and no speaking events, somewhat virtual, but very little. Uh, fitness facility shut down, and the partners that I had on that side of the business decided that they were just going to quit, end up, they had no money in the game, I had all the money in the game, so I made some bad business decisions, got exposed, <laughs> And um, I'd never been in a lawsuit before, but ended up having to go in a lawsuit. Ugh. And um, I laid on my, I, I was sitting on my bed and speaking shut down, got a daughter, wife, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting on the bed and, and my wife comes in and, and drops the mail on the bed. And so I'm, le I'm leaning over the bed and I open up this mail, this letter, excuse me, and it's from the lawyer. And I just see this, this bill. And at first I'm just like, I, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this mess. Like this is a, it's a, it was a mess. And, um, the coach, Mike Jallad, when I was a, I was a young and came into my mind and I just pictured him and imagining, he just said to me, Richie, what's the most important play? And, and I said, the next one. And I had tears in my eyes. And this time it wasn't, it wasn't because I was letting my dad down or teammates down. It was because I was worried about letting my family down. Right. And, and so I got up and I said, Hey, I've, I've got to get through this. I've got to figure this out. What's my next play right now. Right. And this is where the, we took the next play to the next level by not just saying what's your next play, but how do we define it? 
And I started, and, and so it's defined by three questions. So whenever you're, you're in a state of defeat and frustration and you're stuck, it's defined by three questions. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? When are you going to do it by go? Mm-hmm. And so it was, what am I going to do? I, I need to find a, a coach that's going to help me turn this business online. That's number one. Yep. How am I going to do that? I'm going to go online and start looking when I'm going to have this done by the end of the week. And that was my first week is my thing is I had to find somebody who could help me do this. I have no idea what it looks like. I have no idea, but I did that. And it was one play after the next play. I'm sitting in the facility. Everything shut down. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I would wait till Monday at 4 p.m. because that was what my time when I call was them. And I'm like, please call me, please call me. Because like, I, I really didn't know like the, what was going to happen. And 11 months later, we took what was bringing in literally down to 4K a month in the, the fitness facility to a seven figure online coaching company in 11 months. That's fantastic. <laughs> so with, with a full really team, yeah, it was, it was, and, and it was all through what we now call the next play accountability system, where it was something I was doing with organizations, but I didn't know how to describe it. And so I did it with the team. That's how I built the team. I'd meet with them every single week. We had weekly goals. We had long-term vision. I coached them through what they, their, what they wanted, their problem. And then the next play, and I did this with my team and they started doing it with their coaching clients. And all of a sudden the reviews started coming and I go on Google Relentless Warrior Fitness, and I'd see these amazing reviews and these before and after pictures. And I'm like, so I'm doing this with my team. I'm doing it. With, we're doing it with our coaching clients. Uh, and then this is really where, when I get, when I got to the next level is I, I had a couple corporate clients that I had been working with that were stuck and their sales weren't consistent and they couldn't get past a certain place and they wanted to grow. But every time they would start to grow, they would lose profits. And so it, a lot of it had to do with inconsistent sales teams and no structure with, throughout the organization. And so um, what I did is I would, for a year, I'd fly out literally to the look, take a look at the business, look at the, talk to their managers, talk to the, the, the sales team. And um, so we started implementing the next play accountability system, the same thing we were using that grew us by what 10 X and 11 months. And, um, and all of a sudden it was the same result. I'd come into the, the, the manager meetings with all these sales managers and it was, Hey, what, what, what were your wins for week for the week? And what's your next play for this week? And so the same weekly huddles, the same one-on-one next play coaching sessions with the managers. And then they were doing it with their sales team. And all of a sudden the consistency started to come up and I was like, this is amazing. All of a sudden, their revenue started to go up drastically, like 24% in a, in a sh- very short period of time, uh, I think 18% for the year. But it took, it, it, it took flying out and going there every month, every month, and with three different organizations. And I was still doing it with my company at the same time. And now we're rolling this out and we're starting to roll it out with multiple different companies where you know, culturally they have no, very little structure. The sales is very inconsistent. They can't get their sales team to do the things that they want. The sales managers have no sense of coaching. So they're not coaching their team. They're just managing them. Um, And every time they're in defeat, the churn and turnover is really high. And so, uh, so it's really cool, man. And and it's, it's super exciting. So um, these turnarounds are 12 weeks now. So we did it in a year. And now we've got it down where we're 
doing these, uh, basically, I guess you can call them turnaround where we're implementing this culture of this relentless culture using the next play accountability system. So accountability from top to bottom. Right. And now we're able to implement it in 12 weeks. So, wow. So uh, you accelerated, cool. you, you compressed the amount of time from start to let's call it finish. But Richie, the best part of this, this is the muscle memory you developed as a child where you began to see what success looked like if I just concentrate on the next play. And then here you are many years later, taking the same, what is really an accessible framework of mindset to stop drowning out all these other things that could go wrong and simply focus on the next play. I take it this was strategic. You, you, you relied on this thing that helped you, and then you formed that in order to help others with the same framework. Exactly. And when I saw it was working on an individual level, right. I was like, this is, this is awesome, man. This is like no more going and speaking and teaching a re reaction. No more telling people to believe in themselves. Right. <laughs> None of right. That yeah. There's enough of that <laughs> because right now this is very actionable because what you were doing in the demonstration of the success is this is not just, you know, be the best you can be. And that's all good. You appreciate the affirmations, but they don't transfer necessarily into action. You have figured out a way to take that mindset and turn it into action. Well done. Oh, I appreciate and, it, man. Yeah. And, and who do you help? Let, let, let's think about who is listening that may feel like if this resonates, give me a profile. What's it like? Absolutely. So, so typically we're working with sales teams that have a, at least one manager, typically five to 15 managers or okay. up. So, okay. um, and then have, you know, have a, you know, let's say three to 10 salespeople under each manager or more. So like, right. for example, one of the companies had, they have 40 uh, sales managers and underneath them, they all have about 10 sales reps, Okay, but they're, they're trying to grow and they're trying to get to 16 and the sales managers are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we're not ready. There's no structure. There's no one-on-ones. There's no weekly huddles. There's no right. accountability system. And so, right. so yeah. So um, typically those are, those are the organizations where we can come in and implement this, this accountability structure where there's no missing links. There's no holes. There's consistency across the board. And, and it's also retention. Like we found that, you know, you're going to have people who are like accountability. I'm not down for that. And so having a certain conversations to remove ego out of it is important, but also when sales reps feel like every week I'm getting coached, I'm excited to be on the huddles and I'm excited to get in my coaching session. Um, cause I know I'm going to get better. I know I'm going to make more. I'm going to, I know I'm going to make a bigger impact on my clients. Um, and so we've seen retention has been a, a big part of this as well uh, as hiring. It's like, Oh, cool. I can be a part of that. I want to do that. I want to be there. Right. <laughs> it sounds like the engagement starts with some consulting consideration. You have to assess like, like a good team, assess what it is you may ultimately coach. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so first thing I do is a, is a keynote or a workshop or a masterclass. So this could be a half day or, you know, typically a one hour to a half day. I've done a two day before. Uh, it just really depends on how engaged and how bad they wanted in the beginning. Right. But what I do on the front side is I meet with the CEO. I meet with at least a minimum of two of the sales managers and then a minimum of two of the sales reps, depending on what their challenges are. Mm -hmm. So I could see from the CEO's point of view, the training manager, the VP's point of view, as well as the manager's point of view and the sales rep's point of view. Then I can kind of customize the, the workshop and masterclass 
deliver it. And then after that, it's like, how do we implement this in the shortest period of time? So and and do you see commonalities? Are there one or two key things that you see across each of these kinds of engagements? You mean as far as challenges that they have or? Yes, those challenges. Are, they, are there common challenges across organizations that have nothing to do with each other, but you see them through a lens of the relentless warrior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so growth is one of them. So like trying to grow, but every time we hire more people or things kind of get lost in translation. So there's not good structure, right. uh, retention, hiring is a big one, especially for our clients in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we can enter them into and show them how they're going to be coached and what the process is like, it's really help. And then consistency is a big one. So a lot of times, their sales reps are all over the place. Great months, bad months, great months, bad months. So consistency, communication, structure. And then obviously it makes a big impact when it comes to retention and hiring too. So those would be the biggies that we see. And how long have you been doing this? So we've been doing this for two years. So as far as like the, the implementation of the next play accountability system in companies, well, it started right just after the pandemic. And so we started implementing and getting this into a, a 12 week time plan frame over the past year so gotcha. yeah no, um, definitely because it's, it's interesting it's a short we, period of time <laughs> well it is but it's interesting now as we mark history what happened pre-covid what did you do during covid and what does the world going to look like when we get out of this one day but here's the most interesting part that i'd love to hear from you what did relentless richie learn about yourself as you were evolving through this helping others anything new and insights into your own mind and heart. hundred percent, man. I think the big thing is like, I always, I always, anytime I was in the fourth quarter or when it was overtime and my back was against the wall, I would definitely, I would get down. I would get anxious. I would get frustrated, sometimes even depressed. And I would just wake up the next day and I would be at my desk at four 30 in the morning. And I never thought anything of it. It was just like the way I lived and it wasn't until the pandemic. And I actually met some really cool guys that I think, you know, as well. And they said, dude, like you have something that a lot of people really, really want. And you've got to be able to teach them how to do it. And, I, and I'm like, I am, I'm speaking around the country and I'm teaching people how to be relentless And he's like, but those are all, you're sharing them, your reactions, the things that you react, like how you react to scenarios, but you're not teaching them a process. Right. And so I really, I I sat back and I thought, and I was like, I really want to, I want to help people on a deeper level, but it wasn't until I understood myself first. Right. Right. And um, I'm just like, I'm a normal person. You know, I'm just like anybody else in a sense that like, I have, I hurt, I have pain, I have anxiety. I'm not, I just don't wake up every day like relentless. Like it's not how, you know, that's not reality. Um, Like just like during the the beginning of the pandemic, when I was looking at my phone, like, please call me, please call me. Like that was a serious feeling. And one that like, I'll, I'll never forget. Um, Yeah, I'll never forget that feeling. But I also know the other side of it. And I found a confidence in myself Hmm. that, I'll never let go. And it's something I've learned since fifth grade on. And that's that no matter what happens with my back against the wall, I never have to be depressed. I never have to be anxious. I never have to be down because I always know without a shadow of a doubt that I have the next play. 
and that I can move forward and that I'll figure it out. And I want the, the people that I work with to have that. I want them to know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter their backs against the wall, they have deaths, they have uh, their business is falling apart. Their things are falling apart. There is the next play. You don't have to live in anxiety and depression and frustration and, you know, nothing's going to work out for you. You can have what you want, but the only thing and the most important play right now for you is the next one. The next one. That's such a beautiful framework. And I, I, I would imagine many of the people who begin to adopt it, you begin to see changes in them. And, and that's the most rewarding part. We do weekly, weekly uh, group coaching calls and just watching the growth is just absolutely out of this world. It's, it's why I do it. And um, it is the most fulfilling and rewarding feeling. Uh, it's, it's more rewarding of a feeling than earning the scholarship after four years at Ole Miss or writing the book or all that stuff doesn't even, nothing compares to, to hearing that story and watching people emotionally transform their life and their businesses. It's just, it's, it's really cool, man. Well, I have to say when, in, as I was prepping for this meeting after we had met before that, and I was in your website and reading your materials, it was so clear. You are an individual who wakes up every day. You have made that strategic and intentional decision that based upon whatever may have happened in your past, that may have happened to you, but you got to decide who you wanted to be. And who you are, Richie, is someone who wakes up in the service of inspiring others to be able to figure out what is their next play. And I got to say, from one coach to another, thank you for the wonderful work you put into the universe. Absolutely, man. And I, I appreciate you because it's, it's leaders like you that pave the way for someone, for someone like myself. So well, I, I, same, same to you. No, but I, yeah. you know, what, watching what you came through and how you work through it. And now you so unselfishly dedicate yourself to help others go through the same. This is just awesome. It's not only inspiring, it's just the actionable part. And then the results that you were able to help others to achieve, you're changing lives. That's beautiful. 100%. Well, let, 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 let's get through the vitals then. And before we get to contact information, Richie, for all of the people who are listening to your story, I always ask, and I do this on most shows, for all those who are unsure, maybe they're stuck, they don't know what their next play is. What do you want them to think, feel, and do, given all of those things that are in front of them? Think feel, do. If you could talk to yourself many years ago, maybe it's the conversation you would have with yourself that I want others to key into. What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? Okay. So great question. Let's start with think. Yeah. I want them to, to stop thinking about all their past failures. Right. Good. I want them to stop thinking about all the things that may potentially happen in the future. Not like planning, not planning, but all the negative things that could happen in the future. Oh my God, what will people think about me? What if I fail? What if I succeed? Right. And I want you to think right now about the present moment right now, the past gone, no. the future too, too far in the future. No, 
Right. We don't, you're in the first quarter, you're on the first drive. It's right. first and 10. You just got on the field and you're thinking about what if we get into overtime? No, 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 no. Right now. Right now. So how do I want you to feel? I want you to feel what you feel. Like if you feel frustrated and you're anxious or you're, and you've got depression or you've got, or you've gone through something bad, you have to feel it. Like it's, it, and some people are like, you don't ever feel it. like, no, that's not realistic. Right. right. Like that's not a real thing. Right. Um, feel it remember it just like just like three four minutes ago on this call i remembered a feeling and i but that helps me and i feel like remembering where you are is 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 so important were you going to say something well you're you're telling him don't hide it don't pretend it doesn't exist face yes it. yes 100 percent. okay yes what do you want absolutely to do? what do you want to do with all of this i want you to ask yourself three questions. Okay. After you, you, you know, you, you already know what's the most important play is the next one, right? Yep. We're not in the future. We're not in the past three questions right now. Yep. What's the most important thing you can do right now? What's the most important thing? I'm going to repeat this. What's the most important thing you can do right now Two. How are you going to do it? How are you? How are you gonna, and when are you going to do it by? When are you going to do it by give yourself that deadline? Exactly. And the reason, the, the reason all three of those are critical is what you're going to do. Obviously you got to know what you're going to do, but so many people decide they're going to do something and they don't know how. And so it never happens. Right. So if you don't know how to do it, find, we live in a world you can, you can find out how, yeah. and if you can't, then it's too big of a thing. Start smaller right? and figure mm -hmm. out how to do that. But, but if you don't know how nothing will get done. So right. you got to know how. Don't tell it. Don't ever tell as a leader though. Right. You can't tell someone what to do. If they don't know how to do it. It's never going to happen. Right. And then when are you going to do it by set yourself a time? You're going to, you're going to finish it. And I think there's a good football metaphor here because it, football is a game of it's tactical. It's a game of continual adjustments. What are you going to do? And you do it, even if it's not perfect and it's not the defense wasn't supposed to be there. I would imagine your entire teaching program is based on helping people recognize these series of continual adjustments that the play isn't fixed. You can, work with it because because a lot of Absolutely. not everyone gets that message expand on that for just a moment yeah i mean like so this happens all the time right so a coach calls a play and tom brady walks up to the line of scrimmage and the defense is is not in the play formation that they want so he walks up and he looks and he sees the two linebackers coming down for a blitz you see him Peyton manning does this right omaha omaha they walk down right. yeah. and you look at him and hey you got to call an audible so if you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you're like this ain't the right play. This isn't the right play. Yeah. Then, Hey, we got to call an audible. So absolutely. Like we, we, you know, as you, we can get deeper and deeper and deeper, but like, as that a hundred percent, like if you're, if you walk up to the plate and the play that was called is not the correct play, uh, as, especially in business, this happens all, right. it's very fluid, right? So, right. uh, if you walk up to the plate and that it's not the right play, uh, call an audible for sure. And, and, and I say that, Richie, because I think we we do very similar things, but we work with people who don't often understand or appreciate the importance of that adaptability. Whereas when we give an instruction, we try to be inspirational, but recognize that you don't have to what you're doing right now, however you choose to do it, you can adjust, but for God's sakes, do it. Many people are just afraid to take that next step. Do, do you find yeah. you find that as well? Absolutely. Right. And that stems from, from fear, right? right. Like, it's just like, right. Oh my God. Well, and that's, and that's ultimately the end result of implementing this, the next place, you know, accountability system and the next place strategy right. is that you completely eliminate failure. You eliminate fear because there is no failure, Chuck. There's only right. what 
feedback. There's only what? Feedback. Yeah, there's only the next play. There's feedback. <laughs> right, there's only the next. Got. Every right. time you fail and when you meet with your team, right? This is what we teach. If you have weekly one-on-one, every time you meet with your team, you go over the past week, the KPIs, the numbers, yeah. and then you set your next play for the following week with them. Yeah. And 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 you meet and you go over the next weeks but there is no failure there's only the next next play play. (laughs) and when you live like that there is i used to teach chuck i spent a lot of six years traveling the country and i used to teach people how to overcome fear how to overcome failure now i teach people how to completely eliminate it from their life right that's beautiful but it's always the next play when richie where do our listeners and our viewers thank you for always coming in on youtube where do they find you yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I mean, I'm on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, it's Relentless Richie. So yeah, it's easy to find me on Richie. those. And uh, or you can go to relentlessrichie.com if you want to reach out and email um, myself or one of my team members will we'll send it to me. But, you know, I'll, I'll definitely get back to you. I look at everything. And so, um, you know, yeah feel free to reach out. I appreciate that. Well, and to our listeners, you know that there are a few people I like to quote, but in this case, what is most pertinent is Carl Jung, the great psychologist, was once quoted as having said, I am not what happened to me. I am who I choose to become. Relentless Richie, from the time he was in fifth grade, had things that happened to him that may have knocked him off his perch. They may have been an enormous cause of anxiety, frustration, and even depression. But Richie in fifth grade decided, I am not what happened to me. I am who I choose to become. He continued to walk through that adversity, through the ups and the downs, and ultimately has dedicated his life to help others with their next play. He is such a brimming example of he is not what happened to him. Richie, you are who you choose to become and who you choose to became is just a wonderful thing. And I thank you for coming onto the show and for the wonderful contribution you make to others. Well, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And I look forward to having you on my show as well. I appreciate that, Richie. And to our listeners, you have listened to Chuck Garcia on a climb to the top stories of transformation. You can watch us on YouTube and you can hear us on C-Suite Radio, Amazon, Spotify, you know, all those places, wherever you get your podcasts. You can always check in on chuckgarcia.com. Drop us a line. Let us know how we are doing. And we are grateful for all of your support. Richie, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Look forward to collaborating again. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Have a great This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>